Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. It is my pleasure. I get to introduce our missionary this morning. He's a missionary to Malawi. Uh, it's a little different kind of missionary, but he'll share a little bit more about what he's doing. But uh, Luke, I've known him for, oh, I don't even know how many years I've known you, Luke, but it's been a very, very long time, but it's been an awesome time. I told the students this morning, there's not many people that are more passionate than Luke is about what he's doing. So if you guys uh, just give a warm Calvary welcome to missionary Luke Store as he comes up this morning to share. Thank you so much. What a warm, warm welcome. I am so thankful for you, for this church. You guys do so much for missions, not just supporting our family, but supporting so many missionaries. Uh, I love looking at the wall there and seeing all the folks that you support all around the world. It is just so wonderful what you're doing. My name is Luke. My wife, Bethany, and I are your missionary associates with Africa's Hope, and it's so good to be here. Uh, Did you know that it's, uh, it's been a little while since since we were in in Lexington, but we we have been before. You've been our partners from the very beginning when we first began to raise our support. Uh, We thought we were going to go to Armenia back then, Uh, but that didn't turn out, and then through... Uh, yeah, I had a really long beard back then. There's a picture of the kids from the, the evening service that we did. The kids have grown up a little bit since then. Uh, so if you switch back to that first one, you can see what they look like now. Um, so you guys were with us right at the beginning, back when we were first began traveling to churches, telling people about our passion for missions. And uh, like I said, the kids have grown up a little bit. We've also added Esther and Ezekiel to the, to the mix there. And baby number seven is due July 2nd. So uh, we're just so blessed. Uh, at our, our mission table back there, we've got pictures of our family. You might have our old prayer cards. I saw on the back, I don't see the bulletin anymore, but that's like our very first missionary card on the back of that, and then we had an update after that, and so our family's changed quite a bit since then. Uh, I encourage you to take those uh, pictures of our family, pray for us, we sure appreciate your prayers. Today I have three of the kids with me, they're, they're enjoying children's church, uh, and, and Bethany sends her greetings from home. Uh, but I do, I do have a video here of the kids so that they can all greet you, so we'll show you that video, and you can meet our children. I'm Luke. I'm Bethany. And we're the story. And I'm five. My name's Esther, and how old am I? I'm old, too old, yeah. Two years old. My 
little bubbles oh. take you five oh. months old. We were missionaries in Malawi. Malawi! What kind of animals are in Africa? We saw elephants, alpha, and we saw and then we saw dwarfs and some zebras. When we went to churches, when we sang, we danced, and I thought it was a lot of fun. When we were in Africa, we would play with our African friends. I like playing with my friends. Me too. Me too. Me too. We would play soccer, and we would. We want to put a tire in the tree and use it as a basketball hoop. When we were in Malawi, I played with my friend Owen and riding my bike. We lived in Malawi, encouraging the church and training pastors for ministry. Today, Luke is working with Africa's Hope, preparing materials to equip Bible schools all across the continent. So we recorded that video a year ago, so all the kids are one year older than they put their ages there, but we want to express our heartfelt gratitude to you for your partnership in missions, for your faithful giving, for your prayer. The missionaries you have on the board there, our family, we cannot minister without those individuals and those churches that partner with us, and you've played an important part in every struggle and difficult in every struggle and difficulty we faced, whether it was as we were raising our funds, as we were on the field dealing with visa issues and with sometimes with tummy bugs and, and different security issues. One time uh, someone broke into the house next door to us. All of these different things, we, we didn't have to face them alone. You were with us. You partnered with us through your prayers, through, through everything that you've done, and, and we're so thankful for all of that. I'd like to show you where Malawi is in Africa. It's this narrow, landlocked country in southern Africa, and we lived in the capital city of Lilongwe. Before going to Africa, we pastured in Mullen in the sand hills of Nebraska, and it has a population of 500 people, and so going to a city of a million was, that took a little bit of adjusting. But the majority of people don't live in uh, big cities, they live in villages, rural places. And in the villages, the, the people in the villages, they don't have indoor plumbing. They don't have electricity to their homes. Uh, most people don't have cars, so they'll ride bikes. Do we have a picture of someone on a bike there? Yeah. Every day they go to the market to buy food, and they might carry their loads on their heads. Our time in Malawi was filled with unforgettable memories. Malawi is known as the warm heart of Africa because of all the friendly people that are there. We truly made some wonderful friends in our time in Malawi. Our ministry in Malawi focused on teaching at the Bible school. It's known as MAGIT, Malawi Assemblies of God Institute of Theology. We were also learning language and culture, building relationships with people, and we ministered in their churches. 
Many times I told the story of Pentecost, and I'd dress up in my Bible costume as the Apostle Peter. And we prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We prayed for God to do miracles in their lives. And you played an important part in that ministry, so thank you so much. I'd like to tell you a story about uh, a friend of ours, Pastor Charity Kumwenda. My wife, Bethany, went to Malawi back when we were in Bible college. She spent a summer in Malawi, and that's when she first met Pastor Charity Kumwenda. Charity, her story is that she was the second wife of a chief. She learned about Jesus and accepted him as her savior. And after becoming a Christian, she felt that it was no longer right for her to live as the second wife of a chief, and so she went out to live on her own. And then she sensed that God was calling her to preach the gospel. So she studied at Magit and then entered ministry. And did you know that women from across Nebraska have had a partnership with Malawi. They helped give money to translate the Bible into Chichewa to produce the Chichewa Fire Bible. And they gave to help scholarship women to go to Bible school. And so that's how Charity received her Bible school tuition was because of the partnership of women in Nebraska. And so she was able to get her, her training. Then she went on and got a master's degree, again with the help of scholarships. Today she pastors a church and she invests in the life of her young associate pastor, Luca. And, and that's not all she's doing to invest in the next generation of leaders. She's one of the teachers at Magit, uh, where she received her training. She's now teaching others. And she's able to teach, the missionaries generally are teaching in English, but she's able to teach in Chichewa in the native language. And so that's so helpful. And so when when missionaries invest in education, in training pastors, powerful things happen. Charity, she was a person who, who got saved, and she became a pastor, and then she became an instructor, and she's training more pastors, and she's helping her associate pastor, all these things. She started the church that she's pastoring, where there was no church before. She does wonderful things, and that, this is because of ministry training. But there's challenges to ministry training. There's obstacles that get in the way of, of preparing pastors for ministry. And one of these challenges is getting quality textbooks. It can be hard to get the books that we need to train pastors. And so when Bethany was teaching a class at Magit, she had a class of 50 students. They had five textbooks for 50 students. And now those textbooks, they don't get to keep them. They, they have to return them back to the school so the school can use them for the next set of students. And so that's why we're really excited about the ministry of Africa's Hope. Africa's Hope is meeting these challenges. It's finding solutions to the obstacles. And the, the textbook challenge has been resolved in Malawi, at least mostly resolved. They were able to get Discovery Series textbooks from Africa's Hope, and now they're using those in Malawi. And so I'd like to show you uh, a video that tells you some more about Africa's hope. Let's show that now. This is Africa, a continent with a history of economic hardship, societal volatility, and spiritual darkness. Despite these challenges, Christianity has been writing a new narrative of hope over the last three decades. In 1988, 
church leaders from across Africa gathered to cast a vision of growth from 2 million to 15 million adherents. But for this to be possible, the number of trained ministers would have to increase exponentially. To support that commitment, Africa's Hope was launched as a training resource ministry. To train leaders, there is an urgent need to build new Bible schools and expand existing campuses. These needed to be continually resourced with Bibles, curriculum, and technology. We produce training material written by authors who know the African context. Those materials are then prepared by our team of editors and typesetters to ensure the highest quality. Through this process, we have created our certificate and diploma-level curriculum called the Discovery Series and discipleship resources such as Living the Truth and Roots of Faith. Students love these texts, but learning is a challenge when English is not their first language. We are committed to translating them into 16 heart languages, the languages in which these students dream, pray, and listen to God. With a growing number of schools utilizing these texts, it's a challenge to get them into students' hands considering the vast size and complexity of Africa. We ship our resources using suitcases, crates, and large shipping containers. We also print on the continent using print-on-demand systems to increase accessibility among schools in remote areas. Some of our resources are also made available as e-books on tablets and as audiobooks on audio disciple devices. In many areas, students cannot afford school tuition fees, so we provide scholarships to invest in those who feel called to gospel ministry. Students and graduates who don't have their own Bible are supplied study Bibles in their heart language. Our educational advancement team connects with national and Bible school leadership to enhance academic capacity, resource educational tools, and sponsor conferences to train and equip local leaders. All of these areas of ministry sum up what we do. Why we do it is because spirit-empowered, biblically trained leaders are the hope of Africa. serves 357 Bible schools and extension training centers with well over 23,000 students. I get so excited about training pastors for ministry. It's because theological training is so important. We cannot simply lead people to Jesus and think that our job is done. They need to be discipled. They need to learn the truth of the Bible and be taught to distinguish between what is true and what is false. Pastors are key to this good discipleship. And the pastors we met in Africa, they are passionate and enthusiastic. But all pastors need training. Proverbs 19.2 tells us that even zeal is no good without knowledge. And he who hurries, his footsteps misses the mark. Have you ever seen a picture, I saw a comic like this once, of, of a person at a door, and they're pushing with all their might, and it says pull on it, right? Even zeal is no good without training. Doesn't matter how passionate you are, if you don't know how the door works, or if you can't read the sign, it's no good. We need to have training combined with passion. And so, pastors need a firm grasp on how to interpret the Bible, how to preach, how to minister. And as more and more churches are planted all across Africa, we need 
more and more pastors. Church growth in Africa is amazing. Many people are coming to faith in Jesus and being saved. But the question is, is there depth to their faith? Is, is, there, is it rooted? Is it established? Or when the wind and the waves come, does that faith come crashing down because it was only built on a foundation of sand? We firmly believe that spirit-empowered, biblically-trained leaders are the hope of Africa. In Malawi, I got to teach, and I did whatever I could to bring that teaching to life, to help it really sink in. We had some special times teaching. There was the day where we had the students practice baptism, water baptism. And then there was the time when I taught on servant leadership. And I wanted to make sure that they understood that the chief, that the pastor is not the chief of the church. He's not the one that everyone's there to serve. The pastor's not the chief of the church. No, he is the chief servant. So important that we, we make sure that pastors understand this concept. Jesus taught that the greatest among, among his disciples are, are the ones who are ready to serve, and pastors must keep a humble heart and be ready to take the lowest position, even the position of a servant. In the midst of training pastors, we encountered challenges that disrupted our ministry, and, and then you experienced some challenges too. We call it COVID-19. Suddenly, our ministry was limited. We were told, you need to stay home. You can't go minister at churches. You can't teach at the Bible school. You just need to stay home for a while. And then, uh, you guys here, you had to stop meeting as a church. You, had, you were expected to stay home as well. Malawi ended up shutting down their borders, saying no one can come in. No one can go out of the country. And around this time, the U.S. Embassy contacted all the, all the Americans and said, Here's the situation. Malawi is not exactly able to deal with, they don't have the infrastructure for a lot of illness. And if you end up catching a bad case of this disease, they aren't going to have the ventilators to help you. They aren't going to have the resources to, to help severe cases. And they encourage everybody to make a, a, the, the decision. Is it best to stay here or go? And uh, so it ended up for us, we had a baby on the way. Ezekiel was on the way at the time. And it was best for us to take a special repatriation flight back to the U.S. And so our time in Malawi was cut short. And, and sometimes things like this happen in life. You're going along, you think things are going well, and all of a sudden you hit a wall, right? Something that you didn't expect comes along, and you run into something, and it can, it can be devastating when that happens, it can be very difficult. And maybe right now you're in a place where you're feeling a little worried when you look around. It's easy to encounter times that we can get down and feel concerned as we look at the circumstances around us. But when you catch yourself filled with anxiety or plagued by worry, I want you to encourage you to remember where your hope comes from. My hope is in the Lord. I can count on Him. He will never let me go. 
My hope is in the Lord. I can count on him. He will never let me go. I don't know what concerns worry you the most right now. I don't know if it's uh, a global thing that you're concerned about, the global situation, or our nation's difficulties. It might be something a lot closer to home than either of those things. You might be struggling with personal challenges, with finances, with a relationship with somebody. You might have a health concern. Where do you place your hope for the future? Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. For believers, our hope isn't based in the changing circumstances around us. Our hope is in a firm foundation. Our hope is in the Lord. So when you encounter something, I want you to know that he's got this. He's in control. You don't have to worry. God is able to take this. We can trust him. Now, we don't like to hear it, but sometimes it's for our best that bad things happen in our lives. Now, it's not fun for us, but it's good for our faith. This is because it causes us to put our hope where it really matters. Because we can get distracted, we can think that it's my job, my strength that provides for me, but it's not those things, is it? God's our provider. We can think that it's, uh, it's my body that gives me strength, but God is the source of our strength. We can get distracted and think that the government is providing stability for us, but it's not the government that provides stability and security. Jesus is the rock. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse for difficult times. In this verse, God was speaking to his people who had disobeyed him. They'd rejected him, and now they were living with the consequences. Their homes were destroyed. They were taken as prisoners in exile to a foreign land. Things did not look good for the Israelites. But in these circumstances, God gave them a promise, and it's in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, when he says this, their circumstances are not good. They're in a very difficult place. And yet God says he has good plans for them. Plans to give them hope. Now, the next verses are, are very important, just as important to this. Verses 11 and 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You see, God allowed hardship in their lives because he knew it would result in his people turning to him. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me. What will happen? God promises that when you call upon him and pray to him, he will listen. You will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
Do you remember playing hide-and-seek as a kid? Playing hide-and-seek with your friends? Uh, Did you ever play with someone who was too good? Like they ruined the game because they were so good at it. They, they hid, and you could never find them, and they wouldn't tell you where they hid. It just made me so angry. It doesn't feel fair, does it, when someone hides that good and they're not found? Well, God says He's not going to do that. He's not going to hide from us in a way that we can't find Him. When you really seek Him, then God will let you find Him. He wants you to seek. He wants you to really seek with all of your heart. But he isn't going to let us grow discouraged and hopeless in that search. When you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so when you find yourself worried, when you look around, spend some more time in prayer and seeking. Read scriptures. Turn to God's word. Read scriptures that will build your faith. Lean into Christ. Worship Him. Set your anchor deep in Jesus. He has good plans for you. He has good plans for you. God's good plans for us took us away from Malawi. When we saw our time in Africa was ending, we wondered... Now, how are we supposed to participate in missions now? The way forward wasn't immediately clear. We wanted to do more for missions. We saw the need for theological education and how critical it was. And we wanted to be part of the solution, but now we aren't there teaching at the Bible school. And then God opened a door. Ever since June of 2022, I've been working with Africa's Hope. What specifically do I do? I'm involved with editing, writing, and, and designing training materials for the Bible schools across Africa. Now, when I talk about editing, I'm not just talking about commas and periods and all of those things. Those are included. But I'm also talking about uh, theological accuracy, making sure things are, are right on biblically, that we're reading Bible verses in their context and that we're using them correctly. I'm talking about educational structure? Like, does it work best to teach it this way, or should we rearrange it and write it this way so that it's easy to understand? We want to make sure it's easy to read, easy to understand, and we want to make sure it's theologically accurate. It's so great to use my passions for uh, precision and detail and theology and biblical interpretation. You know, how, how often is it that someone who's a nerd like I am is able to say, well, actually, if you were to read it in context, you know, to to say something like that and have people actually want to hear it, you know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, there he goes again. But here they're looking for someone who's willing to do that with these books. And I get to do that. My first project was to work on a book called First Steps. It's a, a curriculum for new believers. New believers can, can take these 12 lessons and a pastor can take them through this book and teach them what it means to be a Christian. After that, we took first steps and we made it into an audio format so that people who cannot read are able to listen and learn the lessons. They're put on a player called the Audio Disciple. The Audio Disciple has a solar panel on the back And so it can charge in the sun as well as be plugged in. It has a headphone 
jack so you can plug headphones into it and you can listen to it. So if you're a Muslim background believer and you're not wanting people to know that you're listening to the Bible, you can have this in your pocket and even have it out in the public and there's nothing on it that says that it's the scriptures. So it has the Bible on it, it has first steps, and it has a dramatic retelling of the Gospel of Luke on it. It's a really cool resource. That's my kid's favorite thing is the audio disciple. And so we got to help with that. And then our team began talking about the needs of Bible school libraries. Libraries are central to the educational process because students, they learn in the classroom, but when they take a project, they've got to learn something, they've got to do an assignment now, they go to the library and they begin researching on their own. They begin to take ownership of what they learn in the classroom when they're asked to write about it, to study about it on their own. And so libraries are really valuable. But many times in Africa, our librarians are not adequately trained. The person before them taught them, but there might be gaps in what they were learning. And they, they might not know how to teach the next person what they're doing. We really needed a resource that would, a book that would explain the essential skills needed for a librarian and something that would be enough to get them started if they didn't know anything at all about libraries. And if they only had one or two books or 10 books, they'd have enough for that, but it would be detailed enough for a whole library as well. And so we said, uh, we really would be great to develop a resource like this. Well, I love books. I worked at the library at Trinity Bible College in North Dakota, and then at AGTS, the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. So I have about seven years of experience working at libraries, and I said, could I be on the team to work on this project? They said, sure. In fact, why don't you write the book? And so missionary Jeff Nelson, the teenagers might remember me mentioning Jeff Nelson. He was the, the person who helped me with my call uh, into missions. Missionary Jeff Nelson and I worked together, and we wrote Library Essentials. And in fact, now it's in French as well, and we're working on the Portuguese translation. And so it's been really a delight to work on these, this book and to see it used in Africa. I got to travel in August. I went to, to Kenya and I taught librarians uh, from my book. And then Jeff has gone back and he taught a group of 28 librarians from eight countries the last time he went. And they're going to go again in June and have another set of librarians take this class. And so I got to be a part of that. Most recently, I've been working on those Discovery Series books. That's their textbooks, uh, helping uh, refine those, polish those, get them ready for publication. So a book about preaching, a book about the pastoral epistles, and about the poetic books of the Old Testament. Working with Africa's Hope has been such a great fit. They needed someone with my experience, my skills, and I was looking for a way to serve Africa. And it's such an amazing thing when your passions and talents converge with God's mission and you find a, your place. And so what about you? Are you using your passions and your talents to be a part of what God is doing? Romans 12 uses this image of the body of Christ. And it talks about how we don't all have the same function within the body. Not everybody is a hand, not everybody's an eye or an ear. And it's easy to go, so, get so focused on one part of the body, one role, one gifting or calling, that we lose sight of how that one part isn't doing the job alone. So when you think about people doing ministry, you might think about missionaries or evangelists or your pastor. 
and you're thinking about those people on the front lines of ministry, it may be tempting to think that, well, I'm not doing that, so I'm not a part of the body. But it's important to remember that no part of the body does its job alone. It needs the whole body to function. Imagine a hand just by itself isn't going to do a whole lot, right? You need, need the rest of the body for that hand to do the work. The hand's right on the front lines, but we need all the muscles, sinews, everything, the bones in there, and then the brain and the nerves, and all of that works together. It may t- be tempting to feel like since you're not doing what those people on the front are doing, well, then I'm not important. But each of you is a part of the body of Christ, and you have important jobs to do. And if you neglect your calling to be you, the whole body suffers. Your little acts of kindness, the friendships you invest in, the Christian witness of, to your co-workers, to your family, the, the way you use your personal gifts and abilities to honor Christ, it's more significant than, than you can probably see. You are so important. Be encouraged that God has a special work for you to do, even if you can't always see it. Romans 12, 6 says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. I might add, if it's baking, bake excellently. If it's laying carpet, Lay carpet very well, whatever it is. If it's holding babies, hold babies with such love, right? Like whatever it is, do it with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for people. In our closing time, I'd like to pray for two things. First, I'd like to pray for those who are feeling a little worried when you look around. You're feeling concerned and and distress, and I want to encourage you to find your hope in Jesus. And second, I want to pray for each of you to use your gifts for the body of Christ. So let's take a moment first to reflect and pray. Would you, I encourage you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and listen for the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. What is it from this message that God is speaking to you today, that He wants you to take home with you? Dear Jesus, I believe right now by your Spirit you're speaking to people. You're speaking hope and encouragement. You're speaking life to those who are discouraged. Lord, I I pray for those who are are experiencing a difficult time right now. They're worried, they're concerned. They don't know what they're going to do. I pray you give them hope. Help them set their anchor in you. Lord, I pray for each person here to see how they can use their gifts, their abilities, their unique personality to minister to other people, to serve the church, to share the love of Jesus. 
know this week what steps you'd like them to take to use their gifts for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one last thing I want to encourage you. If God has spoken to you about doing something, don't just hold that in your heart and go, I should do that. I want to encourage you to do it. And a big part of stepping out and, and doing something is to share that with somebody else. So you might share it with, with Kenny, Pastor Rex, with another person here in the church. This is what God put in my heart this week. And, and would you keep me accountable to take the next steps towards that? It's been so good to be with you. God bless each one of you.